Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are back to talk a little bit, or perhaps a lot a bit, about two major topics today. First off, we're going to get into Julio Jones, who we now know, thanks to Shannon Sharp is in all likelihood on his way out the door of the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to talk about uh, the Titans' role in this, his potential fit with the Titans. We're going to cover this from every angle. Then we're going to get into OTAs, organized team activities. Those start this week for the Titans. Uh, we're going to talk about the things we're looking for as, as uh, reporters start to be allowed at the end of the week, what we want to hear from Mike Vrabel and others. We're also going to talk a little bit about Tim Tebow because I don't know that we have have had a whole lot of discussions about that situation on here. So we'll, we'll share our thoughts about Tim Tebow. That will certainly be fun. And then we'll conclude with Stop the Nonsense. Guys, Julio Jones on his way out in Atlanta. He went on Undisputed with Skip and Shannon on FS1. Uh <laughs> Perhaps knowingly, perhaps unknowingly, we'll have that discussion when we get to stop the nonsense. Um, but he said he's on his way out. He, he said he, he, he's not going to be in Atlanta much longer. Where do you think he ends up and why? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird situation because very rarely do you have the player be the one breaking the news. And yeah, we had heard a lot of rumors uh, and, and there were a lot of reports that Julio Jones was on his way out and they were trying to trade him. Uh, but to hear it straight from him say, I'm out of there, you know, it was kind of uh, it was kind of astounding. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, I, I think the the teams that have been mentioned the most have been the Titans have been one of them. I think the Packers just to make Aaron Rodgers happy and because they haven't addressed uh, wide receiver, even though they, they really should have over the past couple of off seasons. Uh, and I think the, the odds on favor right now uh, are the Patriots, which I guess, I guess it makes sense because Bill Belichick has, has never been shy in terms of giving up draft picks for proven players. But I don't really know if, if he has given up draft capital, at least very high draft capital, for a player that's 32 years old, so that 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 one's a little interesting to me. I'm I'm not sure uh, if that's a Bill Belichick move. I can see the Titans making it. They would have to do some restructuring in, in order to get some cap space, 
but it's going to come down to, to to how much the Falcons ask for, and it might it might just be that John Robinson gets priced out. Yeah, the Patriots being the front runners is strange to me. Like I I've seen the stuff that says like oh Julio Jones wants to play with Cam Newton and. I mean, maybe that was true in 2012 or 2013, you know, not now. Like Cam's just so washed up. A wide receiver's not going to help them, you know, take any sort of next step. And then, I mean, Mac Jones certainly isn't. I mean, maybe he is, but by all accounts, I think we agree that he's going to be pretty pedestrian. So you don't want to add a 32-year-old wide receiver to that. And then by the time he maybe shows that he has something, you know, you're already in the last year of his contract. So... I don't really understand them. I've what? seen the 49ers a lot. You, you don't... What? You don't want to add a receiver to that? Why? When, when has a team ever said to themselves, we could get a good player, but we're just not ready for that quite oh, yet? No, like, I'm what sure, in the I'm world? Sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, like... I, it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense with the timeline. Like I'm sure if you think that they're a team that can win and they're just a quarterback away and that this will help that, fine. But they're not a quarterback away. I mean, they've got no skill position talent other than the tight end position. They're a quarterback away. They've got no running back talent as far as my memory serves. Their defense, I mean, it wasn't bad, but – they don't like either one of their corners enough to keep them long term. They're saying, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think they're going to be an eight and eight, or I guess an eight and nine team at best. Like, I don't think they're, not only do I not think they're a team that Julio would want to go to, I don't think they're a team that can convince themselves that they're a contender. So if you're going to do that, I mean, why trade a future second for Julio? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, do you think if they add Julio that they're going to go to the playoffs? I think they're better, and that's all that matters to them. I don't think that's true. Like, you don't give up a second-round pick to be better. You get up a second-round pick to go from non-playoffs to playoffs. Or they from... probably believe they can go to the playoffs. Oh. I, th- I think they can make the playoffs. I don't think getting Julio makes him a Super Bowl contender. And I think the only reason to trade for Julio Jones is to make yourself a Super Bowl contender. And if you're not that close, I don't think it's worth it because I think he's going to cost too much. He's he's also expensive in terms of how much you're going to pay him and the cap hit you're going to take. And he's also 32 years old, which I understand. Like, there's still a lot of tread left on the tires, but... We don't know. I mean, his body might start breaking down already. We It, it kind of did last season, and we don't know how many years he truly has left. I, I think we are projecting our logic onto NFL teams here is what is happening. We are sitting here and saying that's a bad move and then also saying, therefore, they won't do it. Like... Come on, Bill Belichick's recent history it has been really nothing but bad moves. Like, I don't know why why we just write them off because they're not that good, and it's for you know some scientific reason it's not moving the needle quite enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. 
I don't know. Then I guess I just don't understand why we wouldn't say that every team would want to trade for him then. Because I guess if by that logic, well, every like, team what, that what needs team? a receiver desperately, which I think the Patriots do. Well, I think All they every have is... team needs a wide receiver like Julio Jones. I mean, uh, but I mean, you can. I guess there's different levels of need because the Patriots signed guys that they think can fill those holes and they paid Kendrick Bourne a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. But he's uh, not that good. Well, I mean, I, I hear you, but the thing is, is Julio is not 27 year old Julio. Like he's not going to carry your passing attack. He needs to be like the wide receiver too and be really good at that. And I, I don't know. I mean, Sure. I mean, maybe the Patriots would. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why you would take away a future second-round pick, pay all that money after you've already had your most expensive offseason in franchise history. I don't. I don't know why they would do that. Uh, maybe they. Maybe they will. Maybe they think that that would make them better. That's not going to get them to beat the Bills. It might not get them to beat the Dolphins. You know, I. I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think that helps them enough. Okay. But that yeah, doesn't mean they won't do I can it. It's happening, though. Yeah. I, I, yeah, like, I mean, I guess, yeah. Because when, when you think about their free agency moves, they were kind of not desperate, but they definitely Oh, they were very about desperate. It. That's the word I would use. They were desperate. Yeah, they were kind of desperate. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think Belichick saw Tom Brady last year when the Super Bowl, and he's like, all right, I'm not going to let him have all the fun. I'm going to do as much as possible in order to get back there as soon as possible. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if he feels he can get there with Cam Newton or with rookie year Mac Jones. We'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if they do trade for Julio Jones, but I personally don't think that's the best move for them. Okay. I mean, I, I guess that, yeah, I agree that they could, uh, that they could think that that makes them better. I, I guess we could argue whether or not we think that difference will matter in the long run or whether it'll just push them down the draft board and they'll still miss the playoffs. But yeah, I guess that move would make them better. Um, the Packers is a weird one to me because I think they should. And I think if they could convince Aaron Rodgers that he was the missing piece and to come back, then it makes all the sense in the world. But I mean, at that point, why don't you just start drafting wide receivers in the first round? I mean, they they did it again this year where they could have drafted Elijah but, Moore and they passed. Like, uh, I mean, oh, if, you, okay. if you value Aaron Rodgers, then spend those draft picks when you're on the clock and not waiting until this. We need to distinct, make, a dis, make a distinction here between, again, us sitting here and saying – there's not a whole lot of logic to this from a perspective of analyzing the utility of the move versus the conversation of, could this happen? Because if the question we're asking is, are the Titans the most likely destination for Julio Jones, then we need to be having the second conversation of, is this a move that they could foreseeably make? Not the conversation of, does this make perfect sense? Because I think a lot of teams would be interested in Julio Jones, even when it wouldn't make sense. The, the only team I would rule out from a just-doesn't-really-make-sense perspective 
would be the Cowboys. Shannon Sharp threw them out. I was like, don't go to the Cowboys. I was like, I don't, why would the Cowboys, who are hurting on defense, give up a high draft pick for a receiver when they already have two really talented players at that position and then a third pretty good one in Michael Gallup? But but that the conversation we need to be having here is not – you know, assessing the logic of teams trading him, it's saying, do teams do dumb things? Yes. Would Julio make this team better? Yes. Therefore, it is possible that this team does a dumb thing. Well, then, it's any team. He could yeah, play and, and I think he yeah, could be just about any team. That's, just, that's not a discussion. That's just saying he could go anywhere. Like, if, if we're... If we're he if could! Okay, I mean, I mean, he's I, not going to go to a team. I, well, a, a te- okay, a team that stinks is not going to trade for Julio Jones, and yes, we're talking like correct. really stinks territory. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to trade for Julio Jones. That that just is it, it, not only is it not logical, it is not foreseeable. I'm not willing though for the Patriots, who were at least competitive last year, they they didn't blow. I'm not willing to make the leap that because the move doesn't really make sense for them, that they're not going to do it. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. And he did say he wants to go to a winner, but I, I don't know if every quote-unquote winner, winning team, uh, makes sense for him. Like, yeah, we can say the the Baltimore Ravens are winners. They, they've made the playoffs the last couple of seasons, uh, and they've been really good. But is he going to go to... A team like that, where they have, yeah. they just got Sammy Watkins, they just got Rashad Bates. They don't really throw the ball. They're a running team. Do you think he would want to go to a team like that? Like well, I, the I beauty don't think of so. this I think is he it, still wants. The beauty of this, it doesn't matter. He's not a free See, that's agent. What I was going to say is, is this is the wrong take? Is it doesn't matter because if he says I don't want to play for them, they're not going to give up a future pick. I mean, how many times have we seen a guy get traded? to a team that was against what he said he wanted and then they play and everything's fine. I mean, it, it just, it doesn't happen. Clowney did it a couple of years ago where he was like, I'm going to go play for a contender and I don't care what y'all, what y'all say or do it franchise tag me, whatever, but I'm not going unless you trade me to a contender and I'm not playing for y'all. Like, I, I mean, if a team, if a person wants out, they, the player gets a pretty good amount of leeway. Especially if you're a player with the foul, like uh, he's got to be the record holder in nearly every major category for them. And Falcons fans love him, like the fan base loves. They don't want to sour that relationship. So I don't know. Like the the whole idea that it's like, well, you know, you're you're under contract and you're going to get traded. It's like. I don't think it works like that anymore. Like, I don't think it's just like you show up to work wherever you go because we're in an era where people just sit out. I mean, Deshaun Watson signed a contract, and then a year later, he's like, I'm not going to play for y'all anymore. Like, And by all accounts, he's still not going to, even with all the legal stuff. He said, like, today— If I was Houston, I'd make him retire. Okay, the rape stuff, the allegations of all of that, that, that changes things a little bit. If that hadn't happened, I'd make him retire. You don't want to play for us I mean, after just signing for us? That's fine. See ya. And that's great, but then you're getting fired. I mean, if you're if you're the general manager, like that's, I'm saying, if I'm the it, owner, I would tell my general manager, don't trade him. 
He doesn't. You don't get to do that. That's not how this works. I mean, I think to a certain extent it is. I mean, like if you're if you're an owner, like your whole business model is, I need to sell advertisements. I need to get people in the seats. I need to do like. If you're just like, we're not going to trade him and get picks back. We're going to let him sit on the shelf and not get like, like I, I just don't think fans have the patience for that long term thinking, whether whether it's right or wrong. I, think, I just don't think that. I think you've hit a nerve here with me because I'm like getting fired up about this. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And, 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 and it pains me to see on one hand, people be like, yeah, Deshaun Watson, you go, man. You get out of there. You know, screw that team. And then, like, they're shocked when the Denver Broncos aren't going to pay Jawan James. It's like, what? The team's not going to respect the player? Like, yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, the whole con- – like, I, there's – Can't have it both ways, man. Ten- yeah, there's a tendency in our society to side with the individual over the organization when it comes to like these specific things. When it's like a superstar who has leverage, um, but then on every other case, it's like fans are fans of their team before anything else. Like, and th- that can turn on a dime. Like, th- I mean, there may be a day tomorrow where the Texans are like, you know, the Texans fans are like, you know what? We hate Deshaun Watson. Trade him. We don't care. But there's a certain amount of like, I, I don't I don't know what to call it goodwill that that players are allowed to build with the fan base because the the fan or the franchise pushes these players like down people's throats. I mean, Deshaun Watson was really good. Was he one of the top five quarterbacks in the league? I don't think so. I don't think he was. I don't think he was ever close to that mark. But because they had the Texans had a great defense and they had J.J. Watt. And they had a great wide receiver in Hopkins, and they had a quarterback who they had not had a quarterback anything like Watson in their entire history. And he comes in and he's dynamic, and he makes a bunch of mistakes, but he makes a bunch of plays too. I think he became the savior, quote unquote. And so when you are that guy, you build up that goodwill with the fan base. And there's players like that with every organization. I think with the Titans, it's probably either Derrick Henry or Taylor Lewan, depending on who you ask. But I think they have that sort of cachet. And if they came out and said, you know, the team did me dirty, I, I, I'm, de- I'm going to demand a trade because they just they won't help me win a championship, and I feel like I deserve it. I think there would be some fans that sided with the player, like. It's a very weird situation, and contracts matter less when you factor in that sort of public perception and you know the court of public opinion. So, where do we think Julio ends up? I was just thinking Tennessee, the same thing. For sure. <laughs> like we really I, went on a thing. <laughs> yeah, but all all like I'll I'll kind of consolidate all that together. I think all that matters because. That puts ten and, and Luke, you disagree with this, but I think that puts Tennessee at the forefront of the team that makes the most sense to trade for Julio Jones. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with that point, like all day long. I think it makes a ton of sense. I would love if they did it, but I'm not ready to make the leap and sit here and act like it's likely to happen. I, I don't know. Maybe it is, but but my stance on that right now is I don't know. And I think there are too many people 
on the internet right now acting as if it is a foregone conclusion when we haven't even heard the Titans connected to this situation. We haven't heard, you know, you know, the Titans are one of the teams that have been calling or the Titans are a team that's made an offer. I don't know that we've heard any teams really, uh, but but still, you know, I think you can say here and be like, you know, I hope they trade for Julio. I think it would make a lot of sense, right? Those things say that because they're good. But to then act like it is going to happen is just guesswork at this point. And that's that's the only point I'm making. Yeah, and you're you're not wrong. I really could see him ending up on, I don't know, 15 different teams, to be honest with you, because teams always have that, that hope um, and those aspirations that they're going to be able to take that next step or they're one piece away from from becoming a Super Bowl contender. So I could see any—I I could see the Chicago Bears going out and making a move with whatever draft capital they have. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, the the Redskins, not the Redskins, the Washington football team. Like, I can see any of these teams that are average to above average saying, okay, if we, if we get Julio, I think we might be able to take that next step. Uh, and the Titans are, are one of them, without a doubt. And they just make a lot of sense because they have that whole receiver. They already have an established offense, established quarterback, running back. Uh, wide receiver, not not receiver, yeah, wide receiver, A.J. Brown. And they really just need that one dynamic receiver to, to keep that offense going and, and and have them be as good as last year and, and maybe take that next step uh, in the playoffs this year. So, yeah, I, I can really see it going anyway, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Titans go out and get him. Our friend Bill Okay, let Barnwell. me ask you like this. Let me say this first. Uh, Go ahead. To, to return to our earlier conversation about the Jaguars, uh, that's where Bill Barnwell thinks he's going. Yeah, that came out this morning. It's what? A, it's, it's just like it's, it's it's not really where he thinks it's going. It's just like it's a prediction. Fun ideas on where they could go. Yeah, it's like oh. it's one of those things where it was like fifteen different moves that could have like the Titans get Golden Tate like at the bottom of it and everything. It's he he always says that kind of stuff. Like Barnwell's always doing that. Golden Tate um, is not good anymore. Sorry, I can't believe we're still talking about him in twenty twenty one. As long as as long as you guys are sorry about it, then I'll forgive you. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's let's rephrase the question like this. Let's say if the Falcons play ball with Julio because they want to get the most back, and they know that if they try to force him to some team, they won't get the compensation they want. So let's say you're trying to pick out a team that needs a wide receiver who would be classified as a quote unquote winner. What? What teams do you think that fits the most? I, like excluding the Titans, because I think we've already established, like you know, the Titans are winners. Like they've won every year since Robinson's been here. Like, and they need a wide receiver. Like we Baltimore. know they fit, he fits there. New England. Yeah. I, I think I think Baltimore is good. Although again, like Baltimore, the, the whole thing is you have to get to the playoffs, and they can probably do it. But they do. You do have to play the Steelers twice a year, and you do have to play the Browns. I mean, that's great, but they got bounced in one game two years ago, and then they got smoked by the Bills last year after beating the Titans. So, like, it, it, it's not. I mean, the Titans got smoked by them this year. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think we get. I, don't I think mean, we get. Yeah, 
I, I guess I don't know. Like, I think the, ti- the, the Ravens are no less winners, quote unquote, than the Titans are. Yeah, but the Titans have a quarterback with a functional arm. Like, I don't think the Ravens had that. But, but, but you're right. You're you are correct. Like, if you're saying that's a, a team that win- I guess when I said winner, I meant somebody who you think has an easy path to the playoffs. But that's that's fine too. The Ravens go to the playoffs pretty consistently. Okay. So, okay, Ravens, okay. Chiefs, New England, Chiefs, yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs stand out to me. Like, I think that's a team that for all the guys they were mentioned, like. This whole offseason, they got connected to every wide receiver. And yeah. that that is not getting talked about enough. Because How could they afford they, it, though? They seem to be oh, able to afford it. We always say point. this. Yeah, they do. But that's, the, but that's the whole reason this trade is happening in the first place. Yeah, but, I mean, like, they paid, uh, like, a guard, like, $16 million this year or something, like the dude from— That's what I'm uh, saying. I don't think they could do something else. I mean— like I said, I, I'm not going to count anybody out because I feel like the Saints teams, are still forty five million dollars. Always find a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like... These teams always find a way around the cap. I don't know how they do it. It's probably illegal in, in a lot of aspects, Falcons. but they, they except for except for the Falcons, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I think the Chiefs are an interesting team. But yeah, like you said, like who knows if they'll have any actual money? So the Chiefs, the Ravens, Luke, you think the Patriots? I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think. Like it, it really doesn't. Well, you're gonna let me let me clarify. The cults are in there. Oh yeah, Sorry. definitely, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm not gonna. I'm not saying the Patriots are gonna make the playoffs. What I'm saying is, you know, you talk about a winner, and he wants to go to a winner. They still have that mystique as being the Patriots and the Patriot way, and it's it's Bill Belichick, and they just drafted an, an, an Alabama quarterback, and you know. So I, I think they would be an attractive team for him, even if we sit here and say, I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs. And I think you're right, Matias. I think the Colts are also on that list. Yeah, I mean, the Colts are a weird one. Like, it, they make sense because they have that same mystique of being winners, even though they haven't really won anything lately. And they don't really have – neither has the roster to really win anything. So I do think both are interesting – I just I keep coming up with just a ton of blanks because I don't think they're going to trade them inside the NFC. And right, I think they that, did. Say, they said that right that they yeah. don't want to trade them in the conference. Yeah, I don't they know why that matters. I, I'm sure they said that and 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 they might do it. Who cares, man? Whoever gives me the most draft picks, <laughs> that's who I'm trading them to. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just in the one in a million chance you make the playoffs, you would hate to get beaten by the team that you trade like. And I don't think it's. I mean, I think it's then don't a crazy trade thing to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, that they do. If you're have scared to, about him beating you, then you don't need to trade him. Yeah, but again, like they do have to because they can't pay their rookies for like they're the one team that cap seems to matter to for whatever reason. But yeah, like I, I agree. I think it's a weird superstition, especially if somebody was like, "We'll give you a first rounder and all your other offers are second rounders." Like for a first rounder, you just move him. Like. If it's well, they might have a second rounder that's in the mid versus the, them in the late. Like I, I would just trade them out of the out of the conference. But I, I don't know. Like I think the AFC is really weird, except for the AFC South, which I think is pretty clear. Although the Bills, I think, are going to win the East. But I mean, the North, I think you could make an argument for uh, 
pretty much anybody with the Bengals. And I think the Bengals are good. I just think that uh, the Steelers have such a good defense and uh, the Ravens just it, Lamar Jackson seems to win a bunch of games versus bad teams because it's hard to match up with him if you don't know how to match up with him. And then uh, the Browns are super talented, but I just feel like they're going to underperform, but they are definitely talented. And then it feels like out West, you're basically, it's like you've got the Chiefs and the Chargers who should be hitting head-to-head pretty good, and then the Raiders are sometimes good. So I, it feels like the South and the East are really the only ones that I think are locked up. But, I mean, again, who knows? Everybody seems to love the Colts for some reason. Anything else on Julio? No, not until he gets traded to the Titans. I, yeah, we need some more info, I think. It, more reports need to come out because there really hasn't been anything concrete. Uh, and this is kind of a new situation, uh, which we're going to talk about later with how the news was broken. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see what happens. This is, this is definitely one of, the, one of the better storylines that we've had in a while. Yeah, and it felt like like I got up on Monday and was kind of thinking to myself, like everyone kind of this all snowballed this weekend. I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to Twitter over the weekends, but but I saw some stuff and and it felt like people were acting like, okay, he's definitely getting traded now. And I remember thinking, like, did did something come out to make people think that all of a sudden this is a sure thing? And then it didn't matter anymore <laughs> because Monday at like ten thirty eleven, that's when Julio went on undisputed. Yeah, and he was basically like, hey, uh, I'm not going back to Atlanta, <laughs> which is yeah. just wild. But I don't want to step on your toes too much for later. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that for Stop the Nonsense. Let's talk about OTAs, which start this week for the Titans. Reporters will first be allowed out on Thursday per NFL policy. One practice per week will be open, I believe in full, uh, to the media. What are we looking for this week? What do we want to hear? Who are some players we're excited to see out there? I don't know his status yet, but I would like to see Caleb Farley go out there. And I'm interested in what the the cornerback pairings are going to look like. Uh, I know we've talked uh, at length about who's going to play in the slot. A lot of people think Christian Fulton's going to going to be put there, even though he's really more of an outside cornerback. Uh, but I think I think their best option is to put Elijah Molden in the slot uh, and then have Norris Jenkins and Caleb Farley kind of mix and match and battle it out uh, for the two outside cornerback uh, positions. So that's that's a that's a storyline I'm interested in because I think it's a very talented group. I think the cornerback room is, is very talented, and I think given the right scheme and right coaching they could be one of the better units in the entire nfl uh and i'm interested to see how the coaching staff views them i don't know if otas will necessarily be uh where we get any inclination towards how they will use them uh but i kind of just want to see them in action and and any positive reports from that group will uh will, will make me happy especially considering how how the group played last year yeah, and talking about kind of how guys line up, I'm interested to see what they do with Darrington Evans. 
uh, he's kind of like he and Ferkser are the guys who you could call Ferkser a tight end. You could call him a wide receiver. You can do the same thing with Evans as a running back slash wide receiver, just in the types of athletes and how they're used. I, I'm interested to see if either one of them, specifically Evans, though, because I think we know how they want to use Ferkser, but specifically Evans, I want to see if they've come up with anything with for him during this offseason because last year they had Humphreys and he was the slot guy. Like, that was his role. But they've got Evans. He looks dynamic with the ball in his hand, whether he's returning or whether, you know, he's getting one of the few touches he's going to get, like, it looks like he's either about to break something or he's one step away from doing it before bad blocking gets in his way. But I mean, they've got, I mean, I guess they don't have to, but I would imagine that this team would look even better on offense if they could find a way to use him as that cam bats and jet motion guy, or the guy next to Henry on those, you know, what do they call them? Uh, when he goes out in wildcat, but in regardless, one of those gadget guys who can kind of give you five to 10 touches that aren't necessarily straight, you know, single back runs like outside zone stuff. Like I I think he's a guy who can give you, I I, I don't, I don't want to over-exaggerate because we haven't seen how good he is, but he can give you some of those Percy Harvin, Tyreek Hill, like I'm too fast. If you don't keep up with me when I'm in motion kind of plays. Hmm. So, when I think about what I want to see this week, I mean, I'm always excited to see the new guys, like like Bud Dupree. I want to get a look at him, presuming he's out there. Um, I, I think there's maybe a chance he's not. I would hope he would be out there, because they're not really doing anything terribly involved, I don't think. Um, He's probably the player I'm most looking forward to. I agree with you, Matthias, that I am looking forward to seeing how the cornerbacks are deployed when uh, walkthroughs and 11-on-11 stuff happens. Um, I'll be interested to see what right tackle looks like, if it's Raidens or Sam Brilo or Kendall Lamb out there. Um, there's really a lot I'm looking for. like Because this is our first glimpse into this year's edition of the team. And there's some other things in the back of my head that are probably more geared at what we'll find out in training camp. Like I'm interested to see where Darrington Evans fits into all of this. We've talked about him a lot this off season. Um, but, but in terms of just this week, I'm interested in uh, seeing Dupree probably the most and in the corners. This is also a question I have in terms of hearing what people say because we are still at the point of virtual interviews only on Zoom that, that could change before training camp. I'm wondering if, since this is a three-week process, if we will get interviews with assistant coaches. And where I'm headed with that is I'm wondering if we'll get a chance to talk to Jim Schwartz. I would love to hear what he has to say. He always has good sound bites, uh, very knowledgeable, but also very, you know, upfront, very honest. So, yeah, that, that'd be something that's interesting. I also, I've, I've never really heard Todd Downing talk 
Uh, and I think getting some some sound buys from him would be interesting just to kind of get a gauge of what they're going to do on offense, how he particularly uh, is going to change if he's going to change much from the previous offense. So, yeah, that's something that's something interesting for sure. Also, no one wants to hear about it, but I think it's important. The backup quarterback like. We have just completely brushed it off, and we're like, eh, it's Logan but Woodside. It so is. It's all good. I know. He stinks, I, but there's no one the, else. Well, Kaiser's there. I know. I know how we feel about the Sean <laughs> Kaiser. I know. But he might be better than Logan Woodside. And I think there's a real competition there. And I know I know it's been fine, and we haven't needed a backup quarterback, knock on wood, for, for two years, ever since Mariota. But... I mean, if Tannehill gets injured, we are royally screwed, and no one even cares. Yeah. I, I hate that you would put that evil on this team, Matthias. Uh, but, yeah. I said like, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, you always terrify me. But I'm very superstitious, as you all know. Uh, it is weird how... They just kind of seem to be okay with like they drafted Cole McDonald, which obviously they were like, okay, we need a push. And then they were just like this year. They're like, you know, I know we have 10 picks, but I'm not super concerned about it. It's like, okay, like, I guess you can grab two special teams players instead of like just an athletic project quarterback or whatever, which I mean, those historically don't work, but at least they can maybe earn, you know, a backup job. But that is weird. One, one thing I'll say, I was thinking about assistant coaches and, you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously interested in the offensive line and kind of what, what they're thinking there. But I'm almost more interested in talking to like the defensive line coach or you talking to the defensive line coach and seeing what their plan is, because you've got two guys and maybe the plan is to just have different body types for different options. But you've got two guys in Tier Tart and Laurel Murchison who are built completely differently and i'm curious to see whether murchison comes in heavier or tart comes in skinnier or what the prototype they have for that other guy next to simmons is like are they going to try to find a nose tackle to kick him to three technique or are they going to try to find a three technique to let him play heads up with the center like he did for most of his college career and you know there's so many things we don't know about what this defensive line will look like after free agency that talking to Schwartz, talking to the defensive line coaches, you know, hearing from the players on, you know, what they're coming and what they're going to weigh in at, like all that is really important. And it's one of those things that we won't talk about until training camp really, because it just won't be thought of, but it's really important to know whether this team is going to be that same three defensive line, one edge formation, or if they're going to shift to more of the wide nine, you know, traditional four, two looks. I think uh, based on what you said, Matias, about talking to Todd Downing, I think there's probably a pretty good chance that'll happen. I, I would almost expect to get the coordinators at some point. I don't know about the other assistants and, and Schwartz being a part of that. I, what's tough too, is they put restrictions on, what can and can't be reported. And and I always find myself in the position of like trying to analyze like is this one of the prohibited things? And I'm I'm typing so that I can pull up 
the protocol exactly so that I can read it for you. So this was the protocol for rookie minicamp, and it will undoubtedly also be the protocol for OTAs. This doesn't happen in training camp, by the way, because training camp is kind of for fair game, whatever, especially when fans are there. Okay. Um, the stretch and in individual periods, so the whole practice will be open for reporters to observe, but with the following limitations on reporting. Reporting on general team and individual performances will be allowed. You know, stats, this happened, blah, blah, blah. Reporting on items related to competitive advantage will not be allowed, such as where players are lining up, substitutions, scheme-related observations. I hate that. And I know that that's not the Titans' fault. (laughs) I know that that's not the Titans' fault, or at least not the Titans' PR team's fault. It's either... Vrabel or the league driving this thing, and I don't know who it, it is more. But, like, I don't know, you know, Will, you talked about watching the wide nine. I, I, we're not going to be able to know that until training camp based on the. I would think that is falls under the scheme-related observations or where players are lining up. Yeah, yeah can, that's a very broad... Me? Like definition. Like, I, like I don't think I don't think I'm going to be able. To, you know, if if Des Fitz is playing the slot, I don't think I'm going to be able to say that. Are you going to be able to say who's on the field? Like in general, like regardless of where they line up. <laughs> there were eleven players on this play. Yeah, and they were the yeah, following like, eleven I mean, people. Because if you say like, okay, I'm... on the field was five <laughs> defensive back names, two linebacker names, and then. Uh, Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, Danico Autry, and Jeffrey Simmons. Then it's like okay, they're running a four-two. Like because, but, it, but that, but is that a sub? Is that substitutions? Because that's also prohibited. That's it, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I don't like. I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm interested to see what comes out because inevitably there are some people who kind of push what they're allowed to say and what they're oh, not yeah. allowed to say. So like we'll we'll get bits and pieces of it like wh- you know whether it's who you know whether it's you get two boundary corners and then Elijah Molden's name and then you're like okay well he's probably not lining up on the boundary what or if if you get like your starting wide receivers are Josh Reynolds AJ Brown and Cam Batson then you're like okay well then Cam Batson's in the slot. Like it's not like they're going to put AJ Brown in the slot. Like, but but again, I don't know how much you're allowed to say. One thing I never understand is if I'm allowed to say, like who is who is with the punt returners, like who's getting reps at, at returning punts. I don't. I don't. That, that, usually that, says that to me that does not fall under. I guess it could be where players are lining up. Not if I say um, there a group of players practiced punt returning, and this person was in that group. It's not where they're lining up. I, I, it's so f- dumb. Like I don't. Who cares? Me telling you that you know AJ Brown is playing in the slot more. I don't know. Maybe that gets into competitive. But like, just be better. Like if that if that leaking out is going to ruin you or hurt you in some way. Yeah, but and also like, what's a team gonna do? 
Like, it's not like the Colts are going to read that we're playing A.J. Brown in the slot and they're going to go out and oh, spend a first-round oh. pick and trade. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, it's like they're not going to trade for, like, the best slot corner all of a sudden. Like, otherwise, you could just leak information out and make teams do stupid things. So That's a, that's a good I'll, point, Will, like, because this works both ways, right? It, it is dumb if you care yeah. about this information getting out. It is also dumb if you see this information and are like, maniacally like twiddling your thumbs and like ho 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 we got them now yeah, yeah I, I don't i don't understand like i, I mean I, in theory it's like yeah everything should be kept close to the vest and all that stuff but doesn't it it doesn't it help Rabel with the more stuff you throw out there the more confused like you would want if any time where you wanted your veterans to move like around and change positions to make teams think something was going to happen, it would be right now. Cause it's not even in training camp. So you're given, you know, Frank Reich two months to think about why you were lining up Derek Henry, you know, at left tackle. And then it's like, Oh, of course they weren't actually going to do that. It's not some weird like trick formation. It's just, they were bored messing around and they know Derrick Henry doesn't need the extra snaps and they wanted Darrington Evans to get reps there. Like, but the more information you have coming out, the more you make paranoid head coaches like think and really study and try to figure out what you're trying to do. Can you, um, can you post videos from OTAs from, uh, certain periods? They have oh, to be. God. They have to be like blurred faces, like everything. Like Typically, <laughs> it is videos come from one-on-one. individual periods and one-on-one drills. Well, at least we're gonna get less videos because they're <laughs> kind of annoying. Yeah, except you're gonna get more stretching videos, which is the best well, part. Where it's like, the- okay. The most important, will we be will you guys be able to tell us whether Tannehill has an interception list streak in camp? Very <laughs> important. One of my favorite interactions of all time was John Glennon posting the quote unofficial Mariota practice stats where it was like 14 of 15 for this many yards and Will Compton roasted him. I don't remember exactly what he said. But it was something like, where can I find the official stats? Is that in any sort of record book? It's like, oh, it's just. It, it, hmm. They're the worst. They're the worst. I'm sorry. I, I love I, I love most of the reporters, and I, I know they're just doing their jobs. But, ah, oh, man, those those stats. <laughs> Compton's funny. Like that's 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 a funny joke. But you know why like, the I hate it. You, you know why the reporters do it? Because people eat it up. Oh yeah, like I, I I guarantee if it's like if this year it's like this is a list of how many times uh, or what happened every time Caleb Farley lined up against AJ Brown. Like uh, people will click on that. Like people will love to see like uh, it's like oh wow AJ Brown beat him, but then he picked up twice but in a row. That matters. Yeah, but was, I don't care about like a passing chart based on a practice. I mean, it kind of ma- it it matters in the same way that those one on one like pass rushers versus offensive linemen drills work. It's like you see those defensive linemen win it like nearly every time, but then they'll go out and have one sack for the entire season. And it's like, well, okay, maybe it didn't mean that much that Laurel Murchison beat uh, David Questenberry when they lined him up at guard. Like, you know, it's like, but people love those things. So 
Anything else we're looking for? I think that probably yeah, I pretty see, much oh, I do want to see what happens with I do want to see what happens with the kickers. Like I, I was see... about to say the same exact they thing. They both yeah. are gonna stink and they're gonna get Goskowski. That's what's gonna happen yeah, with the kickers. Probably. I mean, people liked this rookie kid we got, the undrafted guy. Like people liked him coming out. Like it, he had a draftable grade for whatever that's worth. I, honestly, you know, I didn't see him. I, I kept looking over there, and I never actually saw him kick. I only saw him uh, – he was, like, playing long snapper for James Smith or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, kick, kickers are weird, man. But, like, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, like, people like him. I don't know how that matters. Kicking grades coming out of the draft mean almost nothing. But that almost adds value to the fact that you have an undrafted free agent kicker a handful of those guys make rosters every year and there's only 32 of those jobs anyway. So like there, I mean, he's going to get a real shot. He may be the only person whose job doesn't change that much from OTAs to actual football games. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, McCann stinks. We know that. Correct. So we have a baseline on what he needs to look better than. McCann kicks the knuckleball, like it just bends. It's like bend it like it looks like a set piece from David Beckham, where it just bends and curves in. My problem is that does not matter. There's no goalkeeper. Just kick it straight in, buddy. Who's you the remember, other guy? The Ohio State guy. His name's like Howble or Heibel or something like that. Was he good in college, at least? Because the McCain yes. guy sucked in college. Yeah, this guy was good. Um, okay. Yeah, he, he had like a couple of 50-yarders, and he was like 42 of 50 or something. And like, huh. I mean, he was pretty He's pretty good. Um, I think he made – I think he didn't miss an extra point or something his whole career, which sounds like it doesn't mean anything until you realize that like all of them have at some point. Uh, or he did something that was, that was pretty impressive like that. So – I don't know, like, can he kick it through the end zone and can he make more kicks than Tucker McCann? You remember a few years ago, this is going on a tangent, I think it was two years ago when the Ravens had that weird kicker-punter hybrid guy that they played and they traded him for, like, a fifth-round pick and then he, Tucker like, Tucker Barnard? Yeah. No. no Austin no. Barnard? You're thinking, you're thinking not, not the Titans, the Ravens. Vedvik or something? Yeah, something weird. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something like that where it sounded like Russian and it started with a V. And they traded him for a fifth-round pick, and then the guy went out and like was like 0 of 3 kicking and then like got cut. And it's like He stinks. That, he's, a, he's out of the league. Yeah, like it's so crazy how that can happen where at one moment you, you trick somebody into thinking you're worth a fifth-round pick, and then you go to another team and you just are absolutely terrible. <laughs> Time for Stop the Nonsense. Here's mine. So, after Julio Jones went on Undisputed, when Shannon Sharp called him, frankly, I don't know if Julio Jones knew or not. I think it's probably 50-50. But the fake outrage on Twitter afterwards, I saw, what an un... It's like... Lindsey Graham during the Kavanaugh hearings. It's unethical, right? It's just calm down. It's like there's nothing going on political, so people are looking for something to be upset about. I cannot believe Shannon Sharp 
betrayed him like that. Okay, maybe he didn't. Like, maybe Julio knew. Maybe he heard Skip Bayless in the background. I don't know. Well, he said he said after uh, Shannon Sharp says that, he said, like, you know, you're on the air or whatever, and he was like, I know, or so, something to that effect. Like, said something, like, mm. basically saying, like, yeah, I know I'm on air. Like, I, I don't think – I don't know if Shannon Sharp said, hey, I'm going to – or maybe Julio said, hey, call me today about this, like, and we'll talk. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to do it just live, and we'll make it look like it's an impromptu thing. I don't know if he did that, and then Shannon Sharp was so surprised that he actually said that, that he was like, oh, you know you're on the air, like reminded him, or what. But I I, I mean, I tweeted right after it happened, I think, where I was like, this feels like like a situation where he just got tired of waiting because he asked them to try to push for a trade two months ago and now OTAs are starting and he's not with his team. And he's like, look, I'm going to have to learn a new scheme. I'm going to have to, you know, work out of a new playbook with new people for the first time in, you know, a decade. I would really like to be able to actually pick out a house before I have to go somewhere instead of, you know, just waiting until August and then getting moved anyway for the same price. It's also probably not a, co- a coincidence that immediately after this happened, uh, Schefter and Rappaport both had that it had been months ago that the trade was requested, and then we learned what they're asking for, like, immediately after this happened. That's not a coincidence. Um, also, um, my reaction when I saw it was just, oh, that's super funny. Like, that you know, he's on TV and declares this, like, super cool. I love it. Entertaining. Well, I imagine that was your reaction. We have this conversation all the time. It's like, just just enjoy it, right? Just have fun. But no, everybody had to, 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 to put their nose up and, 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 and act like this was some sort of human betrayal that needs to be punished with, like, uh, burning someone at the stake. Like, calm down, people. Yeah, yeah this is like, you, we beg for athletes and, you know, media members and stuff to be transparent. Like, we want to know what's going on behind the scenes. We want to know all that kind of stuff. And then you get kind of uh, their version of an unfiltered like interaction and everybody loses their mind because it's got to be some big betrayal from one party or the other. Actually, it's illegal to record somebody like that without their knowledge up front, like all this stuff. It's like, look, like just relax. Like usually, uh, well, first off at this time last year, we, we were just praying for any sports to come back and happen at all. Not only that, but most years, once you get to the end of May, early June, there's nothing going on. Like, you're talking about which backup long snapper might make the team. and Like, there's nothing going on. Now there's a potentially Hall of Fame wide receiver on the trade block. Oh, and also Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and also a dozen free agents that are still worth signing. Like, enjoy the fact that we have something interesting to do with the NFL still around right now. And it's also not like he went on there and was like, yeah, man, I've been cheating on my wife. He said, yeah, they're going to trade me. Oh. Yeah, like he didn't cut. It's not <laughs> he did anything that would indicate like that he uh, – I, it's so weird. I just – I do not understand it. Yeah, agreed. What I don't understand is uh, PFF because they're at it again. <laughs> so they post – they posted a graphic on Twitter saying, do you agree 
and the quote was from one of their one of their analysts. I think he hold on, let me find his. He is the PFF senior college analyst, and he says, "Quote he, about him, Tyre, Ty, Yeah, right. He looks like he's <laughs> 15 years old. It says Tyreek Hill. He really might be the best deep threat in NFL history. First of all, no, Randy Moss existed. He was like five inches tall, six inches taller, just as fast, and the stats even back up that that he was much better. Uh, also, first of all." Tyreek Hill's not even the best current deep threat in the NFL because Deshaun Jackson is still active and still playing. And Deshaun Jackson is a better better deep threat than, than Tyreek Hill is. Well, not maybe not now, but Deshaun Jackson throughout not his now. career. <laughs> not now. Not now. But throughout his career, Deshaun he came Jackson. Honestly, honestly, Metcalf might be a better yeah. deep threat than, than Tyreek Hill. So what really about I mean the take the take was 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 not great, but I understand kind of where he was coming from, uh, just because Tyreek Hill has those splash plays and he's so fast. Um, but it, it, it's one of the replies. Uh, Sam Monson, who also works at BFF, says this is not helping your 12 year old image. The NFL existed before 2015, and then this Anthony guy says pre 2015 NFL was fake. So how can how can how can what? a PFF analyst say that pretty much the NFL pre-2015 didn't exist? Hold up. I, I, think, I, I, I think that's when PFF was founded. No, I think they were founded a little bit before. But regardless, like, uh, well, first yeah. of all, why would you say that? Why, why would you say that anyway? But I think this should reinforce that PFF cannot possibly be taken as a gospel. Yes, they could be a resource in certain situations as a supplement to, to maybe other stats. But some of the some of the people that work there, they just don't know what they're talking about. And honestly, they're kind of arrogant about a lot of the things that they say. Uh, and this is just another example. Yeah, uh, so let's talk about people not knowing what they're what they're really talking about and just kind of making stuff up. And there's two specific examples that I think we all as an NFL community need to take in. And it's uh, Paris Campbell, the wide receiver from the Colts, and Derwin James, the safety for the Chargers. So in the last two years, Derwin James has played five games out of 32 possible. And Paris Campbell has played nine games out of 32 possible. And yet, I have continued to see hype article and little clips of these guys walking around and how this is going to be their year, and it's driving me crazy. There are legitimate NFL players who are actually good at their jobs and their bodies aren't exploding on contact who deserve more attention and more accolades and respect than these guys who... I mean, Paris Campbell specifically, because James when you don't actually use him as a safety and you use him as kind of that Jamal Adams, like blitzing, like overhang guy, he's fine. He's he, that's, I have no problem with that, but Paris Campbell, I'm looking at the stats right now. His career best is when he played three or he played seven games in his rookie year and he had 127 yards. He had 127 yards like that. Big game. In half a season. In half a season. Yeah, big game. Like, I mean, it, that's 
I don't even like that's that's a fourth of what Tajay Sharp had as a rookie. So it, take that for whatever you want. Then on top of that, last year he got six catches in two games. Then he got hurt and was out for the whole year. Like I, I don't know why we continue to let people like just tell us how great these are going to guys are going to be when they're healthy. Like Marcus Mariota was not healthy like he he was banged up all the time but when he was on the field at least there were some interesting things about him and he was moving the chains and doing interesting stuff these are guys who when they're on the field you can't even tell like i I mean they they are non-factors when healthy and again james not as much but still that like the overhype for guys who are coming off of injuries only to fast forward to next year and i can tell you the articles now are either going to be a well he was injured the year before so wait until next year when he has a full off season of being healthy or b it'll be uh he got hurt again but it wasn't really next year is going to be great like I, i hate that repetitive cycle we get in with these kind of guys To, per, to cl- Paris Campbell was never even good in college, so didn't, didn't <laughs> no, make sense. No, he wasn't. So weird. To clarify on Pro Football Focus, uh, their first season grading was 2006. Uh, but in 2014, that's when Chris Collinsworth bought a majority share. Really, for in 2006, <laughs> I, like I feel like they went back in time and did stuff like they're like not like in a time machine. The, but okay, so like, the the site was launched in 2007, and the 2006 okay. season is the first that they have complete data for. So presumably, um, presumably they went back and did 06, and then since 07, it's been updated. Now a lot of it is garbage, but. Now, I will say, and I will fight anybody who argues with me, the original incarnation of PFF where they would go through play-by-play and they would grade it. If it was a great play by an individual, it was a two. If it was a good play, it was a one. If it was neutral, it was zero. If it was bad, it was a negative one. If it was terrible, it was a negative two. That is still the gold standard of how these things should be graded because that was excellent. Like, Oh, yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah, I, I misunderstood you. Could, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you can you could truly understand what they were doing, and they gave a play by play grade where they said play number one plus plus zero point five, and you could see what happened. Like now they grade everything out of a hundred based off of an arbitrary scale, and it just it, it they've tried to make themselves maddened so people could mass consume these things instead of what it used to be, and that is incredibly frustrating. But I guess it's appealing enough to you know. For, for them to make more and more money off of so good for them as a business. But it, it does, it does really suck that that was a good resource that kind of got diluted and destroyed. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week to uh, essentially close out the season, our season of podcasting before we take a little bit off uh, before training camp. So until then, for Will and Matias, thank you for listening. I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.